Welcome back to the Emerald. I thought she was about to, to open it up. I was gonna, I was gonna let you go. Oh, I, I <coughs> wanted to. I'll, I'll save that for the next one. Okay, you can open the next one. Uh, back at <laughs> the Emerald Conference here, I call it Emerald Scientific, but Emerald Scientific is the company that originally started it, and that was the Emerald Conference. And then it got sold to MG Biscon, and then a company called Emerald has nothing to do with Emerald Scientific or the Emerald Conference bought it. So it's a little confusing, but it's the Emerald Conference, and it's one of the top conferences of getting together some of the intellectual thought leaders in the <clears throat> the scientific space, the development of cannabis uh, in general. And we are pleased, oh, Dimitri Downing with... Destiny Blanco. Who's co-hosting Meet on Shackle today. We are pleased to be joined by another one of these in- wonderful individuals that are the attendees, speakers, and vendors here, um, Anna Schwabi. That's me. I, that's me. Yeah. <laughs> I'm glad we got that right. Yep, that's me. Wait, that's not Anna Schwabi? <laughs> All right. So Anna, <clears throat> Dr. Anna Schwabi, excuse me. And we were just talking about this too. You can recognize her by her lovely pink hair. Yes, it's a definitely, it definitely, it's very pink. It is I very love the vibe. Pink. It's very so, bright. No, I like it. I should go with pink hair. What do you think? I, do you think I should? We you should do, do some that. like highlights, like some cheetah print highlights. No, maybe just, just maybe just a stripe, a block. Oh, that would be cool. Yeah, Money you, piece. <laughs> grow out, grow out like a little bit of long hair. Did Yoda have hair? Wait. Just like four hairs. Yeah, okay. we have Yoda stowed away here somewhere. Um, Where is our <coughs> <Yoda>? <coughs> Sorry about that. <coughs> so, we like to get into a little bit about your past, who you are, where you came from, where you got into cannabis, how you discovered the plant, the community and uh, what projects and stuff you're working on, et cetera. So let's start. We'll just go through your journey from the beginning. Where were you born? <laughs> I was born in Western Australia. Oh, you're Australian. I am Australian. See, I wouldn't have known that if I didn't ask that. No, it's super secret. Oh, all right. Nobody knows. <laughs> I, could, I could do an Australian accent, I think. I was like, usually. I can, but I usually need a couple of drinks first, and then oh, I yeah. can just slip right into it. Sand. Lived in America too long now. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Since 87, we moved to Colorado. 1987, we arrived in Colorado. Mm-hmm. We're getting closer to the cannabis stuff. Okay, so. So what, much closer. What? I know. Well, we Colorado jumped. Colorado too. Look, you see how we jumped from birth? To Colorado in 87? How old were you when you arrived in 87? Um, 13, almost 13. Okay, so maybe you started your call. Okay, we'll see. What happened when you were 13? You arrived in Colorado, then what happened next? Um, well, I had technically finished uh, and was in high school, um, like my first year of high school when we moved. Yes. But I was only 12 when we moved right. here, so mm-hmm. I wasn't old enough to go into high school, so I had to kind of go back to 8th grade. Okay. Um, and do a whole nother year of eighth grade, which was probably a good thing because the culture shock was real. So you had to wait another year to start your cannabis journey because no self-respecting high school kid in Colorado doesn't know about cannabis. Um, I, I, yeah, it didn't start till high school. <laughs> That's like a 14, 15. Yeah. 15. Okay. So moving on from high school, you went to college. Then what? I went to CSU for five years, and I was majoring in anatomy and physiology. Anatomy and physiology. And did not graduate, but was 12 credits short. Um, I I don't know. I just took a hiatus, had a baby, went nice. back to school, and I transferred all my credits to UNC, the University of Northern Colorado. I have all three of my degrees from the University of Northern Colorado. Excellent. Awesome. Yeah. And uh, when, when did that all finish up? Um, so let's see, I got my bachelor's degree in 2010 is when I graduated. And then 2012, I graduated with my master's and I worked at the Denver Botanic Gardens for a couple of years, which is really where my interest in cannabis started because I had a 
volunteer in my lab that was in the industry, and we would have conversations. And what and, year? About what year was that? Um, this was 2012 to 2015. Okay, we are we are getting right hot You're into the so middle close. middle of cannabis activity now. Mm-hmm. Colorado, 2012, 2013. Post medicinal legalization. That's when they legalized for adult use. 2013. Excellent. Yeah. So you're at you're at Denver Botanical Gardens. Yep. And so I had a volunteer, and we would have yes. all these conversations, and um, the topic of differences in strains from from dispensary to dispensary. Right. Where there shouldn't be any difference, you know, if you're buying Mm -hmm. Blue Dream, it should be the same everywhere. Just like if you buy a Snickers bar, it should be the same everywhere. You shouldn't, you know. So um, I got the brilliant idea for this PhD project. Pulling out some props. Okay. Okay. Keep going. (laughs) I got this brilliant idea because my background is in plant population genetics. Okay. I could very easily answer that question. But you weren't studying cannabis yet. But you started in in agriculture plants and... uh, I started in conservation, so rare plants and endangered plants and and, and sensitive species, uh-huh. and giving, um, you know, getting data and giving information to land managers so that they can, you know, like know what's on their property. Know what's on their property. Is this rare species? Is it? Um, are there other populations? Like, can we dig here? Can we not dig here? That mm-hmm. kind of thing. Because there's a lot of oil and gas exploration in Colorado and, and fracking and stuff like that. And so they need to know, like, you know, about the land. And so right. that's kind of what one of the things we were doing at the Denver Botanic Gardens was applied science and using population genetics to answer some of those questions. So with my background, you know, really the question was, is if I buy Blue Dream at this dispensary and Blue Dream at this dispensary, are right. they genetically identical or highly similar? Um, and so, they, yeah, that's where I started. And I approached my my mentor for my master's degree, the population genetics lab, and said, hey, I've got this great idea with cannabis. And he said, no, nope, I'm mm-hmm. not doing that. We're not doing that. <laughs> <laughs> but he went home and talked to his wife, and his wife is like, why not? Like, somebody's got to do it. Why don't you, you you know, let her do it? And so he ended up talking to the dean of this college and the lawyers, and he <coughs> emailed me and said, hey, will you come in and talk to me about something? And I didn't know. I thought it was another project that he wanted to talk to me about. And he's like, do you still want to do this project on cannabis? And I was like, yeah. And he's like, all right, you're in. <laughs> so, yeah, they let me do it. That's amazing. So what was the very first project? What was it titled? Um, what was, uh, weeding out the truth. Weeding out the truth. <laughs> oh, that's was, perfect. I, I yeah. Knew that was, it's like a dissertation. Yeah. So, I love and, it. And then there's. They like, always make these really cool titles for like projects or dissertations and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. That, so that's that, that, Yeah. My first, my first published paper on cannabis was weeding out the truth. And there's a bit more to the title. Right. And I'm really surprised that my mentor let me do that because he kind of, uh, you know, I mean, he's a professor, he's a professional, he's a scientist. Right. They don't always have the best sense of humor, and puns usually are not part of, you know, scientific papers. Yeah. They, <laughs> but was, he let me. Yeah. And um, they have since published two, three, <laughs> two more papers, and then I just have another one, which is what I have a poster downstairs mm-hmm. um, on THC inflation. That's right. You had the poster board, and that pe- that paper that's that all that all that data comes from has been accepted into Plus One and should be published any day. Should have been published by now, but what's it's Plus One? Oh, awesome! It's, it's PLOS One. It's a journal. It's an open access journal um, for scientific 
okay. research. Mm-hmm. And so I'm super excited that's coming out. And the title of that one, he let me slide with Uncomfortably High. I like that. Yeah. That sounds like a Pink Floyd song. <laughs> okay. The opposite of a Pink Floyd a U2, song. A U2 song, maybe. No, uncomfortably numb. Oh, so like uncomfortably yeah, high. Uncomfortably high. Pink. Yeah, I think I like being uncomfortably numb better I think than I like uncomfortably being high. Uncomfortably high. <laughs> um, I don't so, like being uncomfortably high. It's really uncomfortable. You know, I, yeah. said, I said comfortably. Uncomfortably <laughs> yeah, high. Comfortably high, please. So, wow. So you're like deep into the science of stuff. I'm deep in the weeds, yeah. Yeah, so tell us, what have you found? What What is like the, the, the surprising yeah, let's, let's thing that most cannabis hot, people don't know? Um, so, yeah, I, so the first study that I did, I, studied, I I went to dispense. So this was all from a consumer perspective, too. Nobody knew that I was a scientist and I was going to be, you know, m- messing in the lab with their cannabis. So, mm-hmm. I just you know, this was from a consumer perspective. So just like any one of, any, all of us go through with the experience getting access to that same information so what's available online what's available on the shelf uh what what you get in the bottle is what you get um you don't have access to the plants to see how the plants are growing or anything like that so i went around to different dispensaries and bought kind of just whatever i could find i didn't really know that much about what was popular and stuff so Mm -hmm. it kind of after going to a few dispensaries i kind of learned what was what most people were selling yeah and so i got 30 different strains um with multiple samples from different dispensaries to check to see if are all the blue dreams genetically similar, like we would expect. No, they're not. Um, so of the 20, well, of, the, well. of the 30 strains I tested, 27 of them had at least one genetic outlier. So, um, you know, buyer and when beware, you say genetic outlier, you mean like, it's not what, it, what, what, like, okay, so picture a basket of Granny Smith apples, and mm-hmm. they're yes. all, you know, they're all Granny Smith apples, and there's one red one in the basket. That's yeah. not a Granny Smith apple, right? It's something completely different. So that's the equivalent of finding a genetic outlier among these yep. samples with all the, the same name. So, no, but how did you know what was the actual Blue Dream to begin with? I don't know what the actual Blue Dream is. And, and unless you would go directly to the breeder, you wouldn't have access to the original mother plant. Right. But when you have nine samples and eight of them are all genetically similar and uh, one's different, you can kind of guess that maybe say, that yeah. one where it shows up eight times is yeah. probably the the one that is going to get close. I guess yeah. the only person that will really, really get offended, well, it's not even a person. The only person, that, the only thing that would take really great offense to that is the actual original Blue Dream plant because... Maybe the wrong one's being replicated nine times. And yeah. the, the original Blue Dream is like lonely and gone somewhere hidden away in a cave. The original one is probably, um, I would imagine, I don't know, but like mothers don't generally last forever. I do know a mm-hmm. few people who have had mothers um, for, you know, up to 20 years. And even but when, that's you not know, normally you, the case. you take that mother and you, you make it into a smaller one, it's still not, it, it's just the, like a pheno two of it. It's not really like... <coughs> technically the same plant because you can grab a, a if you're regging a, a mother plant you can take a little clone off of it and then uh, you know continue its life but at that same time you're kind of creating a whole new it's right? so it would say it would still have this it would be a genetic copy of the mother mm-hmm. however there's other things that play into it's not just the dna there's also a thing called the epigenome Mm-hmm. which can change and you know plants when they're when they undergo stress or when in their environment changes they have the ability to change their phenotype to adapt to a different 
environment. Right. Okay. Um, so that's what they're doing. When you see those changes in clones, you're like, it didn't used to be like this. Mm-hmm. What happened? The genome didn't change. The plant changed its behavior. Your environment Wait, how did Yoda end up too. over there? How did Yoda end up over there? Did he fly over there? He moved. He's got a mind <laughs> of his own. It's Yoda. I was like, what are you pointing at? Sorry. No, Yoda <laughs> this was This is pay- our mascot here. Yoda has been paying attention. I, I put Yoda He's up learning. here. He's learning. Yeah. He- well, you were talking about endangered species, and Yoda loves that subject. <laughs> He's like, mmm. He's like, mm, I'm, I'm an endangered species. <laughs> Sorry, so he was up here paying attention to you, and then he moved over there. Yeah, he's got a mind of his own. That it's Yoda. threw me off. That That's threw okay. me off. I apologize. That's okay. Okay, so sorry. Let's go back to the blue dream. To- <laughs> um, so, yeah. So, you know, people ask me, well, how do I know? Like, how mm-hmm. am I going to know if, 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 if I'm using blue dream as my medicine, and I go to California, or I go to a different dispensary than my... Right. Where I usually, like, yeah. how, how am I going to know? The answer is, you're not. you Right. Don't. You and can't. And they buy a seed offline that says Blue Dream. You know, how do they truly know that? They don't. So how can we fix this problem? So, I mean, ultimately, you know, and this this isn't really a unique to cannabis problem. Before, we had genetic tools to kind of look and and identify things. Like, mm-hmm. this was rampant in the wine industry right. until we had genetic tools because right. there were things that were, you know, someone was had the same thing as somebody else, but... They had two different names, or on the flip side, they had the um, two different two different things with the same name, or two of the same thing with different names. Like it was just kind of a mess, you know. It's and so, um, genetics is a mess, but it's so also would it be right genetics to say? Is, is is a tool to help you figure out a puzzle. It's the same, yeah, yeah. yeah. Would it be right to say, you know, like, okay, you you brought up the wine industry, so you know, there's different Chardonnays, different Pinot Grigios. Obviously, it's different because those those companies add sugars to their their product and stuff. But that that plant that they're they're you know extracting from the, the Chardonnay grape or, or whatnot, that's it's a cutting. So it would be clone. So you would have you know your two different grape cuttings. You have one in Italy and you take one to Napa Valley. Would you say that's the same as to you know the cannabis? Yeah. Plant? So that's the there's an environmental factor that plays into a phenotype and mm-hmm. you know as i said plants have the ability to adapt to their environment so if you put them in different environments they're going to grow differently they're going to express things differently so that they can survive in those different environments so with cannabis if i took a blue dream home cutting home and and you took one home we would end up with completely different things because and it could be you know the skill of the grower it could be nutrients light water all of that stuff is yes. going to play into and then the final product when tested they would look like genetically different they would look genetically identical they would still be genetically identical yeah. but but you said they would be different I mean, but, yes. but not so, genetically. Like smoke, like I would say, I th- well, so the, in my opinion, like when you smell cannabis, some cannabis is yeah. different. Yeah. So, so your phenotype, so what you, you look like and, and who you are physically yes. is a product of both your, your genes, your genetic makeup and the environment. Like twins don't look this, like even like identical twins, yep. they have the same genome. Never are they absolutely 100% identical. That is the best way to describe that. You can have a a twins, one's a smoker and loves to tan, and one is a health nut. You're going to see very, very different things because those things are a product of their environment. Same thing with cannabis, same thing with everything. Mm -hmm. So you kind of, like Daniela was saying yesterday at the keynote, Mm -hmm. the environment plays a significant factor in end product. So what are you getting? And we haven't really had the ability to assess to what extent does the environment play into the phenotype of cannabis? So, and what about the, the the nutrients? 
Yeah, that's part of it. That's part of the environment. Um, As well as harvest time. So if you harvest, you know, something early versus late, you've got two Mm -hmm. different phenotypes, right? Because you've got the plant that's, the the flowers, the trichomes are maturing. Um, You've Mm -hmm. got drying and curing. Storage conditions can also change the phenotype because terpenes are volatile. If you leave them out, you know, if you do uh, drying at the wrong temperature, you're going to lose some of those volatile terpenes and so now you've got two different products um time to sale so how old is the product Mm -hmm. um and then how the customer treats it when they get it home it's still changing over time so what do you do with all this knowledge and expertise because i'm i'm thinking to myself podcasts and webcasts (laughs) but but you can really it sounds like i really don't are you not helping any companies develop consistency and uniformity and teaching them the best practices um, no, not really, but I can. It seems like that would be, you'd be like a natural coach for like, you know, cause a lot of investors and businessmen that want to get into cannabis, but they need somebody, they need the expertise, mm-hmm. you know, and I'm, I'm listening to this. I'm like, wow, this, you know, you, I wanted to give you this. This is a meta pin. Oh, thanks. You, you, you earned a meta pin. Oh, Yoda, Yoda was happy that you were talking about endangered species, but <laughs> your level of expertise is absolutely incredible. Um, it's really cool to talk to you and just listen to all this. So I do a lot okay. of education. So yeah. you know, we I have also, in addition to all the all the things that I do, we've been developing um, education courses. Right. So I have um, one course called Flower Facts for Bud Tenders that kind of goes over everything very lightly. Mm-hmm. Um, that would give a bud tender a really good background to um, talk confidently about the products that they're selling. Right. So Which they should, yeah, yeah, and you know, I mean, we, ha- we, I have like a whole, a whole lot of. I think we have. I think I have thirty-eight <coughs> different courses up on our website at the moment. What's your website? Um, so you, you can find me and 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 my company on my personal website, which is anashwabi.com. Two ends. Um, yes, two ends. And I work for a company called Four Twenty Organics. So if you go to their web page, you can go to education and click on. Um, explore courses and you can see all the courses that we offer there. That's a a web. I imagine that's a website that's worth exploring. It it is. I mean, I think it is, but I'm a little biased. (laughs) No, you're, you're you're definitely on the right, uh, right track, the right course. What's shore-organics.com. So, so we, the company that I work for is 420 Organics, but we have two arms. So we have a hemp arm, which is Shore Organics, and we have our marijuana side, which is 420 Organics. So, because they're completely separate, but it's the same people who run both, because we want to keep our hemp and our, and our marijuana separate. That's amazing. Kind of have to. Are you doing the same sort of genetic, I mean, do you have like, uh, I mean the the data, the information that you're collecting. What what are you doing with all? Is it all online or? So I'm not actually currently actively collecting any data. Yeah. We will be. Um, we have been in the experimental phases with it because we we grow aquaponically, which is a little bit of a different system um, that m- almost all cannabis growers grow. In that it's a closed loop system. It's like an ecosystem. So yeah. we have fish. I love that one. We feed the fish, and then we have some biofilters that change the nitrogenous waste to a, a usable form for the plant. Then that water goes to the plants, feeds the plants. The plants pull all of the, the nutrients out of the water, and that clean water goes back to the fish. So it's completely closed. And we use very little water to do that, which is nice because the cannabis industry kind of uses a lot of water. So it's like the, the fish shit. You're using it is. That's what, what kind of fish do you use? 
We have a mixture of tilapia, koi, and goldfish right koi now. Koi fish. I love mm-hmm. that. Yeah. Is there is there any, I guess the science is still out as to what type of fish is the best, or is it just kind of mostly anecdotal stuff? Um, I, I, I don't have an answer. I'm yeah. not the grower, um, and my boss just kind of, he, he's... He's the the lore overlord of all the growing. Overlord, <laughs> that's a word I haven't no, heard in a while. No, he's really nice. He's awesome. Um, but I don't know as much, nearly as much as I should about the whole aquaponics system. But also, yeah. I know that we have like you know proprietary setup, so it's probably mm-hmm. best that I don't know is, everything. Is that over in New Jersey or? Yeah. Yeah. We gotta visit that sometime. That'd be we love visitors. That would be yes. amazing. Yeah. I've never I've heard of you know grows using fish at. Is mm-hmm. what they call, it. and they actually have a, a company that yeah. does that. But uh, they have it's it's literally a big bucket with the flower on top, and underneath you could see the little fishy swimming. Yeah, there's a big one here in San Diego up on the highway. Yeah, that's. I cool. visited it like five or six a, years ago. And a lot of the aquaponics that's around, it's a split loop, so they do have the fish in the water, and they do use that water to water the plants. But it's not all circulating in a closed loop. Mm-hmm. That's what's okay. interesting about our setup um, because it's a lot easier to control. Like if we add anything, which we don't, if we added anything, if we needed to add more nitrogen or whatever, that would get circulated back to the fish, which can hurt the fish because right. they're pretty sensitive or the bacteria culture that we have. We don't want to crash that because that throws everything out of whack. So we have to be really careful with our system. Whereas if you have a split loop, you can just take the water and water the plants, and then if there's something going on with the plants, you can treat the plants without worrying about, you know, hurting the fish. So yeah. that's a little easier to work with. But we don't want to do that because we like a challenge. That's amazing. <laughs> I like it. You should call it the, the boomerang system because you're Australian. Right. <laughs> and it kind of comes around. But I don't own the company, so. I know. Well, one day. So your background is more on the, <coughs> the, the lineage side of, of, the, of, like, so the blue dream. Yeah. And the the... What is it, the genealogy so, of it? Yeah, so population genetics is looking at relationships between individuals, um, among individuals, among groups of individuals, among populations, mm-hmm. among species, closely related species, things like that. So, for example, we can look at populations of cannabis that are feral here in the United States versus right. in Afghanistan or Russia or whatever. And there's a few papers out there if people are interested in population genetics, looking at like the evolutionary history and how it moved around the globe, mm-hmm. which was largely done by people moving it around the globe. Um, are you familiar with the, the website, the Seed Finder? Yeah. The EN Seed Finder? Yeah. So that's that's kind of where I, I base, like I'm looking at Blue Dream right now and it says, you know, Blue Dream started, um, actually go at the bottom, it's Hawaiian. It's a sativa. Hawaiian. Yeah, and then it, it moves to the now it's a purist indica. So it, that when it says purist indica, times so, Hawaiian. Let me check this out. So Jeez, and that's it. another thing that I want to move into too. You know that this this big concept in, in the cannabis industry right now is indica versus versus sativa. You know, and then there's yeah, so the hybrid is, in the middle. This is how it was developed. So it started. This this is like going back to like great 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 grandparents. Right. Very and then first. as you move through the family, it was crossed with a skunk, and then with a haze. And then it was somewhere back in the history, there's Afghani. So it says Afghani. Does that mean some, it was somebody found another a breeder seed from I don't, Afghani? I find this really hard to read, but there might have been like, so a strain that had all of these lineages in there. And then they crossed this with a blueberry and then Blue Dream was born. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, I talk about cannabis strains like 
dogs because everybody's familiar with dogs. Yeah. Everybody knows what a mutt is. It breeds. A, it's a it's a mixture of all different kinds of all dogs. A whole bunch of sh- yeah. Right. So that's what a lot of cannabis. She's a mutt. <laughs> I think Apparently most, today I think I'm, I'm looking like a are. mutt. I think most a people mutt. are mixtures of, of multiple different kinds of people from <laughs> different places <laughs> in the world, right? Yes. Um, 23andMe will tell you like you're, you know, you're. 20% Irish and 30% Mexican and whatever. Yeah. So that's population genetics. So with dogs, like you got mm-hmm. two, you go and you, you adopt two mutts. They're both beautiful dogs, but you can't really tell what they are. Yeah. And you're, you love them so much and they're so cute. You decide to breed them. The puppies are all going to be different. They're yeah, not, gonna, they're not going to look like each other probably. And they're probably not going to look like the parents. Bulldog and a boxer. Yeah. So you're going to have this mishmash of whatever the parents had in them. And then, you know, you pick your favorite puppy, and that's the one you choose to keep, and you give all the other ones away. And you call this one that you love, you call him Charlie, right? Mm -hmm. Charlie's not a breed. Charlie is a dog. Um, But he's a thing. He's a thing, right? He's got a name, and you love him. Um, You can't go to the AKC and say, I want to register Charlie as a new breed. You have to do more work. You have to make more Charlies. And to do that, you have to breed Charlie, unfortunately, probably with one of his parents. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And then his mother would be Mm -hmm. probably the likely candidate. Um, And then you might be able to get some more Charlies in the next litter, and you would pull those out, and then you would start crossing those and and weeding out the phenotypes that are not Charlie. And then at some point, you're going to get to a point where you put two Charlies together and all they have is a litter of Charlies. Then you can go to the AKC and say, I have developed a new breed. That's mm-hmm. the equivalent of a cultivar, right? I want to be my own breed. <laughs> you have a lot of work to do. Yeah, I know. That's. I'm just trying to figure out the steps that I need to do to get there. <laughs> um, with, with but people. I think you could help me. With people and even with dogs, like there's a lot of ethical issues in doing that. Like inbreeding, yeah. not a great idea with, um, you know, uh, How could I inbreed mammals. myself somehow? You see what I'm saying? Probably. So if I believe that I'm like genetically perfect and <laughs> I, mean, I want to make sure that all future human the, beings are like me. You take two of your sperm and go to a lab and say, put these two together and make another yeah. one of me. Or yeah, you could clone yourself. I think I have to clone myself, you right? Clone but that's yourself, not really and then you could breed your clones together. Yeah, yeah. make your a clone and the clone. Yeah, because I wouldn't want to. I wouldn't want my genetics to be susceptible to the imperfections of a woman. <laughs> so, I mean, not not just <laughs> this guy. Not just. I mean, now I'm nothing against women. I'm just saying, you know, you just my want to make a man beast genetic. <laughs> you don't want to dirty it up with I'll all just, these X chromosomes. I, <clears throat> I know. You know, I'm making a joke, <laughs> but if you think about the parallels and how we do this with animals and plants and humans, there's a lot to the philosophy of this concept. Yeah. You know, so. So, so back to cannabis, like a lot of Although cannabis strains that we have are not stable. Like, and that's perfect. why we clone, because that's really the only way that you're going to get an exact replica of right. that plant, because mm-hmm. the genetics aren't stable. Exact if you, even when you you know, have two blue dreams and you breed them together, there's still a lot of diversity in those lines. And when you put those two together, you're going to get a whole bunch of stuff that you weren't expecting. Mm-hmm. Um, Maybe this, so, is why I have, this is why I haven't had kids yet. Is this why? He's having I'm worried like a about life realization over here. To be Getting ge- kids you don't want. Some, some no, because anything, anything <laughs> beyond me a- <laughs> would be a genetic imperfection. Well then, yeah, you've, you're you're at the end of the line of perfect. Right, I am <laughs> Best the to end stop there. of the line. <laughs> Get lots of pictures. This all makes the sense line to ends me. with you. Like this has been one of my favorite. We're gonna hang out more because <laughs> I'm learning a lot from you. But we do got to get it wrapped up. Yep. We want to do a full hour with you sometime. 
We're trying to keep yeah. the 20, 30 minute here. That was things. just my first experiment. I've got four more. Well, and I'm sure you have more <laughs> on the way. You know, many projects possibly. that you're uh, working epigenetic on. Epigenetic pro- project. Oh doing clones of Doing clones of clones of clones to see if the epigenome changes through multiple cloning iterations. Right. That has not hit. That's being. Hopefully, we're getting that analyzed soon. It's been sitting on the shelf for a while. And what is that? What is that word? Word. The epigenome. Yes. <coughs> so epigenome. Epi meaning on top of mm-hmm. genome. So it's on top of the genome. So the genome stays the way that the genome is because you can't really mess with. I mean. Not to get too technical, but okay. it's changes on the surface of, of the DNA that lead to changes in expression. So you can basically stick, like think of a, a thread, mm-hmm. that would be the DNA. If you tied beads on that thread, now there's pieces of, of DNA that are going to be easily accessible to express and things that are inside the bead that you're not going to be able to access. And that can lead to heritable changes. So even though... You didn't change the the DNA code. It, right. Those heritable changes can be passed on to the next generation, and it's pretty common in plants, to because when plants encounter um, uh, environmental stresses, they can't just get up and leave, right? Yeah. And they want their offspring to survive, so they 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 have epi- a, a way to change their epigenome so that their offspring would then have a better chance of survival if they make it to reproductive a- reproductive age their offspring would have a better chance of survival because potentially that environment is still not great mm-hmm. and then the offspring have a better chance of survival. And those epigenetic changes can go away as well or they can lead to permanent changes. You know what's frightening to the me? The epigenome is crazy. You know what's really frightening? Is that her knowledge, as she puts it, puts it more onto the line mm-hmm. and it becomes more and more digital, then it belongs to AI. And once... AI takes her knowledge and then moves Uh-oh. in a direction that it wants to rather than in a direction that we want it to. That's like the beginning of the matrix. And that's what we need though. Well, because I mean, maybe AI I'm sorry, is, but, is the future and we need this. You know, every, this every, every time I realize, I, every time I talk to the scientists and the doctors and the PhDs, and this is what I realized yesterday with the other guys mm-hmm. is that, you know, they're creating all this knowledge. They're breaking it down. They're helping us understand everything and they're putting it on the line and then eventually AI will have access to that and AI is going to use that to take over us. So you guys are inadvertently, because you're so smart and so intelligent. It it sounds like we know a lot, but any scientist that you talk to is going to tell you that the more we learn and the more we know, Mm -hmm. the more we realize we don't know anything. No, agreed. It's okay. It's okay. It's inevitable. I'm not putting like a judgment on it. You've got to keep learning. And so if AI picks it up, that's fine because it's still just scratching the surface of everything we don't know. Literally, we are what? How many years are you into your research? Um, So I started, well... Cannabis specific research. Yeah, cannabis specific. I started in 2015, so eight years, and I don't know anything. Yeah, Nancy, you're somebody that knows more than you know all of us here combined. So (coughs) you saying that, you know, (coughs) there's just so much out there. Well, and it's so interesting, and I know this is true in any industry that people uh, sound like they know so much, or they are very confident that they know a lot. You know a lot more than I do. All of us. There's together. a lot of overly sure. confident people. She's like a lot of people think know they know you. a lot, but really they don't know. And it's the people who don't know that they, you know, that think they know. And it's like, yeah. you have yeah. no idea. 
But anyway. Yeah, no, no. I, this is, <laughs> now, this is great. We're learning a lot. The people out there that watch us can learn a lot from you. And if they want to dive in deeper, they can call you. They won't call me. Oh, we'll they'll do a deeper you. dive here with her. Yeah, but they'll call you directly. I but mean, if anyone is interested in all the stuff that I didn't talk about today, or even the stuff that I did talk about, mm-hmm. it's all available on my website. Like, my dissertation from when I was a baby scientist is published, and you can read the 200-page stuff. But it also my research papers that have been through the peer review process, you can read those. And I try to keep it really, like I know scientific papers can be really difficult to read with jargon and stuff like that. But I try to keep it um, so that normal people can read it without having to look up every second word because that's just yeah. annoying. Yeah, that's well, Anna, it <laughs> has it been <laughs> insightful and we appreciate you being here. And uh, we have to keep it under 30 minutes. And so Anna Schwabi. Uh, we will have our her information on how to get a hold of you. We thank you for joining us. Thanks for having so me. This was really fun. Yes, you. no, you. I'm a huge fan. I, I feel like my mind has expanded just listening to you. I can talk you, about so. cannabis for days, like literally. Yeah. <laughs> Love you guys. Thank you very much. Thank, you, thank so much. you so much. And that was another episode of Meet Unshackled.